Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast, the regular season opening podcast. In today's episode, we will be joined by the co-CEO of the Washington football team, Tanya Snyder, as she sits down, I believe, and gives her first in-depth podcast interview on the state of affairs with the Washington football team. And then we'll be joined by the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, as he breaks down this week's big matchups between Mac Jones and Tua Tungabailoa, Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield, and all the other notable action from week one. And it's hard to imagine that we are here, but we are. That offseason goes very quickly. And on Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning, when I woke up about 6 a.m., 6.15, I was laying in bed and realizing I didn't have to check on the status of a particular player that morning didn't have to worry about getting up for the sports center, didn't have to get up to shave for Sunday NFL countdown, could take my time on a leisurely Sunday morning on Labor Day weekend. And then as I laid there, the thought occurred to me that this will be the last time that I can do this on a Sunday until February 20th, 2022. And people say, are you excited about the season? Of course, we're always excited about football season. There's no other way to be. But it's a little like asking, are you excited to go run a marathon? 26.2 miles. Well, yes, you're excited. You've trained. You're ready. You've thought about it. But the idea of the 26.2 miles that lay in front of you are daunting. And we are about to embark, all of us, on this marathon that is the NFL season, a marathon that will have twists and turns and take us in directions that we weren't planning. The NFL managed to get through last season, the COVID season, without any cancellations of any games. But this year, the league is going to be challenged the way that society is challenged with the spread of the Delta variant. And I'm not trying to harp on this. I'm just giving you a reality. Last year, it was a little bit like the Wild West. This year, we've got a number of players being vaccinated. Some players who are not being vaccinated, and there are going to be more and more stories of teams losing key players at key moments the way it happened last year, say when the Denver Broncos lost their entire quarterback room before they played a game against the New Orleans Saints. It's going to happen this year. There are going to be big losses at big moments, but the fact of the matter is we are here, and we are also here on the start of the season, which always means that there will be a rush, as I'm sure there will be this weekend, for teams and players to complete contract extensions. We've heard about T.J. Watt, the Steelers' outstanding young pass rusher, not practicing all summer while awaiting a new deal, to which I would say, how do both sides not get that deal done by the time the regular season starts Sunday and Pittsburgh plays Buffalo? I would think, of course, they're going to get it done. T.J. Watt has to get that deal done. The Steelers need to get their best defensive player signed long-term. And even though he's gone through the summer without there being a new deal, I would bet even money that by the time the season kicks off Sunday, T.J. Watt will have a new record-breaking deal in line with what the Chargers paid Joey Bosa with a big annual average that makes him, if not the highest-paid defensive player in the game, certainly amongst the highest-paid defensive players players in the game another storyline ahead in the season that's ahead we are about to begin it on thursday night in tampa 
with the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we are about to begin this podcast, too. And the first guest today, the way to kick off the season is with a woman who hasn't done many, if any, of these types of interviews. Today, we are joined by the co-CEO of the Washington football team, the woman in charge of that franchise, leading it forward, Tanya Snyder. This is not my uh, comfort zone, and I know I need to change this, so I appreciate uh, you, you, you come highly recommended with a lot of them. Um, I've also listened to quite a few of your podcasts, by the way, which are very interesting. So I hopped on to listen to a couple minutes and I find myself, you know, the entire thing I couldn't get off. So you really have well, done it. That's a- very kind of you to say. Yeah, you've done a great job. That's very, that's very nice of you to say. For those who don't know, you've now been named the co-CEO and you have taken over the day-to-day operations for the next several months. Did you ever think that you would one day find yourself in the position you are today? When did that become a thought that you could be this involved, this at the forefront of an NFL football franchise, the way you are today? Well, probably it was, it was, I knew I would have, I knew I would have my own business. Um, And I definitely from an early age wanted to do my own thing, but I definitely wanted it to be in the fashion world and, uh, and, and still really, you know, love that field and have a very strong interest in that. Um, But I think, I think the wonderful part about where I sit today is, you know, I've been, I've been around, I, my responsibility shifted to, um, as Dan and I had children and I thought, you know, have my children, have my business and anyway, just everything will be, but as you well know, it's a, it's a wonderful full-time, much more big responsibility and actually it never goes away. So I, uh, Took, I have so much respect for my mother now. My gosh, um, and and you know each of my kids are all very different too. So so raising you know raising children and being around football, and um, you know having an opportunity when Dan um, when we purchased the team to be able to uh, you know to get involved. And so to be where I am today, it's uh, it's pretty surreal, but I'm ready. <laughs> I've been on the sidelines for a while. When Dan says he wants to purchase the team, what's your reaction? Well, Dan's a doer. Anybody that knows Dan, he doesn't, he's not a talker. He, I, anything he says, um, I, people kind of look at me for my reaction because I know what that means. He, he will find a way. And I knew that um, as soon as he said that and the opportunity came up, he and his father, the first person he called was his father. They had such a bond and that was Dan's best friend in the world. And, uh, so I knew that uh, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. So if there was a way that anybody could make that happen, he would make it happen. And he makes it happen. And I think what people don't realize and understand is that you've always been involved in this franchise. You just have not been at the forefront the way you are now. What would you say your roles have been over time with the Washington football franchise, Tanya? I think I, you know, equate it in football terms like, a, I don't know, somewhat of not not really, but somewhat of a kind of a backup quarterback. I think um, you 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 are there. You understand what the responsibilities are. Um, you kind of wait for an opportunity. I think you you speak up when you can and give feedback, you know, to try to make a difference in 
you know, the outcome of, you know, the game and the game plan and do as much as you can. But ultimately, you know, the lead person goes in and plays the game. And if they have to pull an audible and, you know, do whatever they need to do, that's what happens. So um, I did what I could. And in the very beginning, we, um, growing up with a, with a really strong mother, I remember the first time hearing about, you know, breast cancer. And I was um, very impacted by that. I think I, I participated in anything and every initiative I could growing up and every walk. And um, so when, when we did purchase a team, uh, we, I knew one of the first things that I wanted to do, we started a charitable foundation and, um, and then started Think Pink to, uh, to really have a larger platform to make a difference. So it started, you know, here in town uh, and um, with, in you, the with you, with you, with yes. you, right, Tanya, you, you are, right. you are the brains behind Think Pink, correct? That is correct. And a passionate Zeta that's um, huge fan. And she came to me. Um, her name is Vicki Griffith. And, uh, and to this day, we're, we're side by side, but she, she had a, a program that she was doing as a young collegiate and, um, and they were passing out, uh, you know, passing out ribbons, but needed to, you know, needed to have a larger stage and wanted to, to make more impact. It was part of their community service initiatives. And so we pulled together a program and, you know, got approval you know, from the league to be able to put, uh, to put markings on ribbon. And it was a very grassroots, uh, one ribbon at a time, one person at a time, one fan at a time. And, uh, here we are, you know, 22 years later, 10 years, we were local. And then it, it, it was think pink. And then 10 years, it became a league wide program and make a crucial catch. So now, um, that's the program and super proud of it. Yeah. So 22 years later, what does that mean to you now looking back on it? It's, uh, I mean, it's something that I'm very proud of. I think um, speaking with you today and, and experiencing the past year that I've experienced, um, hmm. I realized that as much as I cherish my privacy and on behalf of me, my family and our kids, um, if I want, you know, someone to know about anything I'm doing and, and our initiatives, then I need to speak up. So you are my first... Uh, <laughs> official rolling out of, uh, having a conversation. So I'm here to, you know, to, to really, I've done everything that I can somewhat behind the scenes and through, you know, other voices, but, um, very proud, very proud of the initiative to where it is today. Well, we welcome you to this setting and this podcast and for all the people out there to hear from Tanya Snyder, to hear about who she is and some of the things that she's done. And you bring up the past year and it has been a tumultuous year for your organization. The team was fined $10 million. You took over the day-to-day -day operations of the team and became basically uh, the foremost person in charge of the Washington football franchise. What has this whole year been like for you, Tanya? Well, it is, um, it, I, words for me to describe this year is, uh, is very difficult. It's been one of the most difficult years in mine, uh, Dan, and I know my family's uh, in our lives. Um, but I think, um, you know, being on the other side of where we are and learning uh, just a tremendous amount. Um, and I, uh, my style and my wish is to, uh, to turn all of these into, uh, you know, into blessings to, to make the most of 
you know, where we are today. We're, we're hundred percent owners um, and we're in a much uh, stronger position to be able to make each and every, you know, change that we need to make. So for that, I'm very excited about, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's hard. I get a lump in my throat. Um, and it's, uh, it's a cross between a, I don't know, a crime show and a nightmare movie, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that today, you know, I know we are doing everything possible. And I think where we've ended up and where we're heading, I couldn't be more excited. So for that, um, I think it's a blessing. When you talk about that lump in your throat, where does that come from? Well, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's the pain that, you know, from our family, from my children and, uh, you know, just, just a lot of the, the tough times, um, you know, that we've, that we've gone through and just, um, as you know, the media, it's, it's, um, it is what it is. It, everybody's going to say whatever. <laughs> um, and I guess when you have a void and you, you don't have your voice out there, people can say whatever. And, and that has been the case. So, um, and that's what I mean. So when you get a chance to address the past year, everything you've been through and not have your voice, what is the biggest thing that you can say to people about the past year? Because it seems like you're tiptoeing around what's bothering you, what gave you that lump in your throat. And I'm just curious for the people listening to understand what causes that, what makes it such a difficult year? Why do you get the lump in your throat? What is that, Tanya? Well, I mean, for me, it, it's... Uh the the thing that Dan and I sitting side by side through this last year and kind of looking at each other and close to a year ago, you know, he's looking at me and how I'm handling things and vice versa. Um, I, I had a kind of a, had a mama bear instinct that just like a lightning bolt that went up through my body. And, you know, I think we could have very easily ran away and, uh, and been fine. And, and sailed away. And I think a few people have even asked us that and being, you know, drinking pina coladas. Um, but that's not, that's not who we are. That's not what I want to teach my kids. And that is, um, and that is one thing that I'll tell you, uh, gives me the strength to sit here today and to talk to you, um, with conviction to know that, um, you know, we, what we're doing right now and where we are is, is where we should be in the best place possible. And it, it's, it's truly with love and passion for the NFL and the Washington football team. When you heard some of these things that came out about your franchise, very unflattering, Tanya, very unflattering. What was your reaction to everything? Well, I mean, horrified, uh, you know, I, I, needless to say, horrifying. And um, I tried to stop reading it all because it just, it got, um, became too much and too ridiculous. Um, but where it puts me is, is wanting to dig my heels in stronger and get off the bench, stand up, get active and just go into action mode. And that's exactly what I've done. I'm, I'm, I am here at the stadium today. I have been meeting each and every person within this organization. Um, you know, and Dan and I starting with the hiring of Ron Rivera and who he is and who he stands for and he, and, and his family, he, and how much he cares for each and every one of those players. He loves and cares about those players. Dan has always loved and cared about the players and would do anything he could, you know, to help each and every one. Um, so I think he and I have a bit of that, uh, 
you know, we want to do so much at times. It's, uh, it's hard to, to feel like you can accomplish everything. But I think having the right people in place and starting with Ron, uh, we couldn't be, you know, we couldn't be more excited. And then it just, then it led to, you know, I think a lot of respect, mutual respect, us sitting side by side and seeing how we were handling things and really recognizing that he and I both have two completely different sets of skills. And so both of which are very much so needed within this organization. And so I think we, uh, you know, we kept saying for months and months, you know, you need to, I'd like for you to be co-CEO. And, uh, and as we were going through things, I'm like, listen, I, you know, whatever, just let's take care of this and let's take care of that. And just, you know, really um, got involved and just started, you know, talking to people, solving problems, looking to hire better and better and better, the best of class in all the different categories, which led to, you know, Jason and Dan met each other on a Zoom. And it was like, you know, it was like a it was like a love connection. It was really very cute. Uh, Jason, Jason Wright, the team president, right? That's right. That's right. And he was so impressive. And, um, you know, we loved his background and, and just, again, everything that Jason stands for and his passion. And, you know, it's a new opportunity for him, but we knew that uh, where we wanted to go aligned uh, with the coach and with ourselves. And we just kept, you know, every person at a time, everybody. And, and then the, in addition, the people that Ron Rivera hired on his team, you know, they're all in their own right. And he, and he just hires, you know, up and up and up, just, just some of the, the best and brightest and super impressive. So, um, so we feel like we're just drew a line in the sand and we crossed over and just, it's, it's a whole new era. We couldn't be more excited about it. And so basically you're the back of quarterback who comes off the bench. You got the help of Ron Rivera, a great linebacker, now a head coach. You got Jason Wright coming in <laughs> as the president. You got reinforcements all around you. And you mentioned about being excited about where this organization is headed. So where is the organization headed, Tanya? To golden standards, to the best. Um, I would love to say in our goal, of course, is to be the best franchise in the NFL. Um, and we are in, you know, we're in the nation's capital and we are going to, um, you know, we have so many opportunities and new things going on right now. We're 90 years this next year as a franchise. And we are, um, you know, the transition into 2021, 20, 22, you know, we have a new, a new name coming up. We, what is it, that? Can, can, can you reveal that right here, Tanya? <laughs> what, what, which name are we choosing? What's the deal? Is it going to be War, Red Hogs? Is it going to be Defenders? Is it going to be Red? What are we going to have here? We're down to three. Are we down to three? We are down to three. What are the, can we say the three that we're down to? No. Allowed? I heard the eight. We, we had the, the Armada, the Presidents, the Brigade, the Red Hogs, the Commanders, the Red Wolves, the Defenders, and WFT. I think those are the candidates, right? That's right. Has that been said? That that's been said, yes. Okay. But we haven't we haven't whittled down the list, Tanya, to three. So if you want to whittle down the list to, to even a few more, go right ahead. Well, I would love to at the right time, Adam. Okay. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I I I will I will let you know. And if um since you're being so nice today and helping me in this transition, I I I will make a commitment to you that when we have an opportunity to, um, you know, we've, we've uh, chosen an amazing organization to, um, you know, to help us with the process. It's been 
handled extremely professional. And I've, I've looked at each and every, I mean, 42,000, um, I've looked mm-hmm. at each and every name, just making sure that we did not miss a great one. And, you know, and there were so many different reasons, so many names fell out too, you know, legal. And we, we looked, we vet, vetted everything that the organization, the agency did. So um, we are looking at the rollout date, you know, relatively soon, and we just have to do the timing, you know, that with merchandise and so many other things that, uh, that are important. You also have a new stadium coming. That's going to be what I understand to be state of the art, unlike any other stadium. What do we have there? What can you fill me in about on the new stadium hopes? It's just so exciting. We, um, well, Dan is, is spearheading that. Um, and, and he, we've been all over, we've been to the West coast. We've looked at all types of venues. We've, um, we will be heading to Qatar soon. Um, we we're, no stone unturned. We've looked at the newest stadiums, you know, uh, in Vegas, we went to, uh, to LA and, um, we've looked at all types of arenas and, uh, we're learning from each and every one of them. We have, uh, we have all types of architects and we have an amazing group again, that are thinking out of the box. And, uh, so I think the plan, we've got plenty of time, you know, we've got six years, uh, but we're way ahead of the game right now. And I'll tell you right now, we have an opportunity to have quite a few locations. So, um, and that's a blessing. And, and so we are, you know, we're working our way through that process right now and working with each and every, you know, all the different uh, precincts and areas states. What is your vision for what the stadium is going to be like when it does eventually open? Well, I think um, state of the art I think we want to be, uh, you know, a part of the the urban development. We want to we want to go in and and have a wonderful impact in whatever neighborhood. Um, we want um, long term sustainability to be able to to certainly give back. Uh, first and foremost, it'll be state of the art for our our football team and our fans, and I think the ex- the experience will be um, very unique and. Uh, and that's the most important thing, you know, we're looking at. So we have the, the ideas are just stacked, you know, so high. So no telling where we're going to end up. So. So we've got new people. We've got a new name. We've got a new stadium. And I think what a lot of people also don't realize, Tang, is you were named the co-CEO. And this comes after the investigation in which your organization was fined $10 million. But you Am I correct in thinking that you would have wound up in this position anyway with your three children now out of the nest, off to college, getting married, doing whatever it is that they're doing on their own? Would you have been in this position anyway if there had not been those external circumstances? We, we've been talking about that, yes, for a while. And, and we are empty nesters now as of a couple of months ago. So, um, so yeah, I, I've, um, I haven't missed a game in 22 years last year because of COVID, they did not want us to travel, you know, for two games. So that those would be a miss, but, um, I have been around, I have, um, I've been involved, not to the degree I am now. Um, and so I just, um, you know, I'm involved day to day and I'm involved in, in all the different areas, uh, you know, meeting everybody and we have a lot of amazing people. So very excited about it. But you're in that building every single day now, correct? I'm either in the stadium. I'm either in the park. Absolutely. I'm, I'm everywhere. And what is that like for you? What, 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 what is the biggest takeaway from being there in the stadium, in the offices, 
being present every day the way you have been, Tanya? Well, I have to go back to our backup quarterback. And when you when you're watching somebody, you know, throw a ball and you're like, oof, I would have done this or I would have done that. Um, I'm diving in. Um, I'm so excited and I'm able to implement and, you know, make changes that I've wanted to make for a long time and have been recommended and I've suggested and respected the, the leadership that's been here. Um, I, uh, you know, we've always had a, had a, um, I've always had a respect for people we've had in the position that were hired and paid very well and, you know, to do a job and, and let them do their job. I did have meetings and I tried to give input and feedback, um, you know, most of which, you know, nothing happened. So I couldn't be more excited to make the, make the changes and get involved. And I'm doing everything I can every day. The days are like five minutes fast. Did I hear you say your suggestions in the past were ignored, Tanya? Um, yeah, you heard me say that. Yeah. And, and, you know, listen, I, I dove into quite a few things with the league as well. And there, you know, there's, there's a lot of policies in place and there are a lot of um, stages and steps and, you know, and I've always had a respect for the process and the procedures that, you know, taken place within the league um, and worked within, you know, within those rules. And so now I just feel as if um, I definitely have a better grasp on all of that. So I think I'll be able to, have a much better impact. But guess what? There's a new sheriff in charge now. That's basically what it comes down to, right? There's somebody that's imposing her will and doing things the way that they want to be done. And we're going to be doing things differently around Washington. Absolutely. Days, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Please tell people who is Tanya Snyder? Well, I grew up um, a little South of Atlanta. Um, I'm one of four girls um, very, very active and, and love um, participating in all types of sports. Um, and along with my sisters, we were all um, loudmouth cheerleaders. So we, we and, and a lot of gymnastics. And uh, so it was very difficult to get a word in edgewise in our house, household. So, um, but, but a lot of fun. I had a wonderful mother, um, you know, that raised us and taught taught us a lot of uh, great qualities, but learned a lot about, you know, a lot of great things from my mother and, and strength and being independent and uh, could talk all day about my kids, you know? So, um, well, you know, I, I should, I, I, I do want to ask you that you, you mentioned your three kids. What, what do we need to know about the Snyders, the Snyder children? No, I'm, I'm so proud of them. They're all, um, they're all such strong individuals. And, and I think um, the thing that I will say, you know, they didn't ask to be, thrown into this life that they're in, um, that, that they get, uh, a lot of, a lot of flack from they, and especially Jerry, I think, uh, he, people give him, you know, a lot of people within his school and just around. And, and I think, um, um, I help I think it's helped them to become stronger people. And I think they haven't, uh, you know, they haven't whittled up and ran away in a corner and I'm just, uh, really proud of them. I'm a proud of, I'm proud of their strength and their, um, and who they've become, you know, in standing. And I, and I think it is from, you know, seeing their parents stand up and be strong as well. So that's what this year was all about. And the message was, um, was about this year. I didn't want to teach my kids to run away and to go hide and to not, you know, the truth should always, uh, you know, set you free and, you know, and stand strong for that. But they're all amazing, very, very amazing kids and uh, very, very different. So that's my pride. That's my pride and joy. So, 
So if the team is losing or the team is criticized or the team is fined or whatever it may be, does that somehow come back to your three children? Do they get some of the flack for that, Tanya? Oh, absolutely. I think I think more so, um, you know, when they're in school, the others, the two girls have graduated from college now, so not as much. And they separate themselves now. They have the, you know, they understand if somebody is not truly, um, you know, their friend or in their best interest, they can get away from it. Um, Gary, we're still, you know, he's still affected by it. So we're still working with him on it and to, uh, you know, to not take a lot of it personal, but I think he's getting stronger every day and he's getting smarter too. So. Tony, I also want to ask you this. It seems like we are getting more and more women in more and more prominent roles in the NFL. Kim Pagula, D Haslam, uh, Amy Adams, Strunk, Sheila Ford, Ham, Katie Blackburn, you now leading the Washington football franchise. What does that say about where we are at? in football and in society itself? You know, I think, I think we're evolving and, um, and I think it's so important women, uh, women in these roles. And, and I hope the NFL will continue. Um, we have a many, many, many females in our organization and we're just super excited and we'll do everything we can to continue, you know, to help promote, um, women, you know, in the NFL, um, they're movers and shakers and they see so many different things that, that complement, you know, um, and it, whoever the best person in the, in, in the job is. But I think, um, you know, what I see and what Dan see are two completely different, you know, we have two completely different sets of skills. So I'm optimistic and plan to, uh, with our women's organization and from where I sit, um, to do everything that I possibly can to promote, um, you know, more women, more women in business, more, more, more women in sports and in leadership roles and, and plan to mentor and do anything and everything I can to help promote that. Hmm. And before I let you go, a hardcore football question. What are we going to see from the Washington football team this year, Tanya? Well, I'm excited. Um, I, I have major plans. Uh, you know, personally, I just have, have a great feeling. Um, I know that uh, Coach Rivera, I have a lot of faith in his guidance and the players that he chooses. And uh, so I hope that we're going to build on, you know, last year and take it up a notch and, uh, and have a strong season. So very, very excited about it. You say major plans. What kind of plans do we have? Like parades? Well, like, like, I mean, the, the, you know, we, uh, we, we always shoot for the promised land. That's why, that's why we're in the business. So, I'm always hoping for the promised land. So that would be wonderful. That would be my blessing. That would be your, and, and, and is it realistic? Can football glory be returned to Washington as early as this season? I think, you know, as well as I know, any given Sunday, anything's possible. I think we're being very disciplined with, you know, with COVID we have, um, we had a great year last year with that experience. We're all, you know, communicating really well. I think we, with our leadership and, uh, and the drive and passion that we have, anything's possible. So is there anything that you saw from your team this summer during camp being there as often as you have been that surprised you or that fans are going to notice about your team this upcoming season? I think we have, I think on our field, we have so many surprises and I think, um, you know, everybody has an opportunity and that's coach Rivera's, you know, 
think it's his mantra. You, you know, if you work hard and you, and you perform well and, you know, do your job, then you get to make a difference on the field. Um, I let, I let Dan specifically with coach talk X's and O's. I have to tell you, you know, from where I sit um, and, and I don't typically, you know, that is Dan's strength, you know, on all the positions, all that. But I, I do know that um, we have a lot of great, great players and a lot of um, great work ethic. I think, um, I think everybody talks about the chemistry on the team. It's real positive. So um, that's, that's what I can say about, um, you know, my optimism and from what I see. So what was it like for you to do a podcast, Tanya? Well, with you, I give you a triple A because uh, this is this is my first, and uh, and thank you very much for helping me feel safe and comfortable, and and just to be able to tell the truth. I appreciate it. See, Tanya, that's all you have to do is when you step in front of any member of the media, you just be honest, transparent, conversational, relaxed, and everything will work out. I would think just fine, right? Yes. And, and I feel that you're trustworthy. So I, I do appreciate that. And you have that reputation, by the way. So thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time today, Tanya. Thank you very much. Lots of luck this upcoming season. I'm sure we'll be chatting again. Thanks a lot. Take care. And there is the co-CEO of the Washington football team, a franchise that is going in an entirely different and welcome new direction with new people, with a new stadium, in place with a new nickname coming soon. There are a lot of positive things going on in Washington. And Tanya Snyder is at the forefront of them all, spearheading that effort as this team tries to shake its shaky past and move into the future. From Tanya Snyder on to the ESPN analytics guru, my colleague, my friend, previewing week one, Evan Kaplan. Evan, happy season to you. Same to you, Adam. It, it's great to be back, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this season. I think like everybody is, let's, let's get it going. I can't wait. Hard to imagine it's here, but here we go. The marathon begins now, and the marathon goes on for Tom Brady, now entering his 22nd season. It kicks off Thursday night. What can we say about Tom Brady that hasn't been said before, Evan? I feel like one of the last times I was on with you, we were talking right before Super Bowl 55 about all the accolades with Brady and, and, and they finish it off. He wins the Super Bowl MVP, seventh Super Bowl. And now he begins the season at 44 years old, which is something that we've rarely seen in NFL history. You think about there have only been three quarterbacks to start a game at 44 or older, Vinny Testaverde, Warren Moon, and Steve DeBerg. The mm -hmm. only one to win a game was Vinny Testaverde. So you think about Brady, if the belt, if the Buccaneers win on Thursday night against the Cowboys, he will have already matched the number of wins by 44-year-olds in NFL history. All 44-year-old players have only combined to throw 13 touchdowns. I'm sure Brady will match that by game four, five, or six, somewhere early in the season. So when we, you continue to try and put in perspective all of the amazing things that he's done and he shows no sign of slowing down. I mean, the way he and the Buccaneers ended last season, uh, I think they'll they'll come out, you know, on all cylinders Thursday night. The goat becomes goatier, basically. I mean, exactly. there's not a lot you can say about it, but that that's sort of how it works. And he left behind, obviously, a clear void in New England. And everybody's going to be talking about that week four matchup, October 3rd, Tom Brady in New England, which would be fantastic. But New England's got its own 
big game. <coughs> Sorry. But New England's got its own big game in the opener with two Alabama quarterbacks. Mac Jones, the Patriots' first-round pick this year from Alabama, versus Tua Tungo-Bailoa, the Dolphins' first-round pick from Alabama last year. What do we have to say about that one? Yeah, this is a lot of fun, the way it shook out with the Patriots' QB situation. Now we get to see, you know, former college teammates, Mac Jones and Tua Tungo-Bailoa, as you said, a first NFL matchup between starting QBs who played for Nick Saban in college. Also be the first time that Bill Belichick starts a rookie QB in week one, couple of kind of cool nuggets for Tua. He can become the youngest visiting QB to ever win a game at Gillette Stadium. And he can also become the youngest QB to win consecutive games against the Patriots under Bill Belichick. So Tua led the Dolphins to a win down in Miami last season. So to win two straight against Belichick for a quarterback that young, at least since he's been with the Patriots, we haven't seen. Now you talk about Mac Jones and what, is going to be facing him. And I think I think the, the Patriots defense is just kind of a, a real reason why he could have success early. You know, you think about some of the guys they brought over with Matthew Judon and, and getting some of the opt-outs back. And if this defense kind of plays how, you know, saw some things in the preseason, a lot of what you read about how that defense looks, you know, if Mac Jones kind of just does what he does, you know, he plays a lot of talent around him. He kind of orchestrates the offense. I, the more I think about it, this, I, I think this could be a big year for the Patriots. Back, they're back, right? I, it just feels that way. And, and, we, and we saw Belichick, you know, we saw them spend all the money in free agency, right? It's something that they, they, he normally hasn't done. And then they draft a quarterback in the first round. And now it's starting a quarterback in the first round. And it, you know, it seems like after the 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 seven to nine blip on the radar last year, now it's you know all systems go again in New England. And this is a really fun game in Week One between a Dolphins team that I think has expectations as well after finishing ten and six last season and just out of the playoffs. I think people are sleeping on Miami a little. We'll find out on Sunday if that's accurate or not. And I do think New England's going to be very good, and I think Miami's going to be better than people think which sets up a very interesting matchup in week one. We know, we know, Evan, that Patrick Mahomes is going to be really good. He's trying to get the Chiefs back to the Super Bowl. He's already talked about a 20-0 and season, if such a thing could even happen. I don't know. That's going to be really hard. But, but there is precedent for how they've started the season. What can we say about Mahomes getting ready to face the Cleveland Browns in their opener? Well, 20-0. and Maybe a bit lofty, as you said, but in terms of perfection in September, he he personifies it. So Patrick Mahomes, you know, among the best, if not the best start for any quarterback in NFL history. And you look at his numbers specifically in the month of September. He is 10 and 0 as a starter. He has 32 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. He has never thrown an interception in September. That's the most touchdowns without an interception in a single month all time. Uh, he in season openers, which he's been just as flawless, 10 touchdown passes, no interceptions, chiefs averaging 37 points per game. So when you think about a team that is trying to get back to its third straight Super Bowl, which has not been done very often in NFL history, it's only happened three other times. Uh, the Patriots did it recently, 16 to 18. So that kind of almost clouds our view of how easy it may be. It's not, you know, we've only seen it three instances in NFL history. So, when you think about that and you think about this is a team that 
lost in the AFC Championship, then made two straight Super Bowls. These these hot starts are a big reason why. It sets the tone for their entire season, winning 12, 13, 14 games. I'll tell you another thing that happens there. I don't know this for a fact, but I would bet it's true. I remember when I covered the Denver Broncos, Mike Shanahan's offenses the first month of the season were virtually unstoppable. They had some of their best numbers because he spent so much time over the summer plotting game plans for the first few weeks. So he was ahead of it. And I think Andy Reid is cut of the same cloth. So he probably has rough game plans mapped out for the first month of the season. My guess. And that's one of the reasons he gets out to a quick start. I think that makes perfect sense. And, you know, you look at their first four games. So the Browns, a divisional playoff rematch, they play at the Ravens, a really interesting game in week two, and then the Chargers in week three. So a divisional opponent in there who they certainly know well, um, and then a couple other AFC teams who they've seen quite a bit uh, over the last few years. You bring up the Browns, and we saw them end their playoff drought in 2020. Thankfully, fortunately for everybody in Pittsburgh, it was fun to watch. Cleveland deserved that. What can the Browns do now this season after the great memorable last season? Yeah, I think this is a team that that changes from kind of almost the Cinderella darlings last year a little bit. Now there's there's plenty of expectations for Cleveland. But when you talk about the drought, so not only their first playoff berth since 2002 last season, that ended a 17-year drought. Their first year with a winning record since 07, ending a 12-year drought, and they won their first playoff game since 1994. Now they get a chance to end another drought at Arrowhead Stadium in week one, winning a season opener. Cleveland hasn't won uh, its first game of the season since 2004. That's the longest drought all time. They had one tie mixed in there, so not a losing streak, but they haven't won their season opener in quite a long time. And I think uh, as we try and kind of project out the entire AFC, Adam. I think a Cleveland win in Kansas City against Mahomes and company in week one, without that would turn some heads on Monday. Oh, that would turn a lot of heads. And also, boy, that would get the excitement going in Cleveland like oh, you wouldn't believe. It. Yeah. And that would make the Browns that much more of media done. But to do that, they're going to have to beat an Andy Reid coach team that's been game planning for this game for weeks now that has yep. the best player in football all kinds of speed around them. We'll see how that works out. We spent a lot of this little segment here, Evan, talking about quarterbacks, Tua, Mac, Brady, Mahomes. Give me the week one quarterback matchup that we're most excited to see. Hmm, that's a good one. I think uh, I would say I think there's a ton of intrigue with Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold, to be honest with you, with Jets Panthers. I think for a variety of reasons, you have certainly Darnold facing his former team. And you have Zach Wilson making his first career start. You got two quarterbacks who were selected in the top three by the same team facing off in week one in their first starts for their respective teams. And you think about all of these quarterbacks making their first season opening start for a team. There's going to be five matchups where that's going to happen. That's the most in a single week in NFL history. Uh, A couple other, you know, I think. Not necessarily, I don't know that Andy Dalton I'm overly excited about, but I think Matthew Stafford on the other side of that matchup is fascinating. Uh, A a team that has sky-high expectations with the Rams and a team that I think is going to – I think they're going to win the NFC. I don't think – you know, there's certainly other – some other great teams out there, Packers and Buccaneers, but um, I think the Rams are going to do it this year. And I think if they're going to, it's going to be that offense that takes a major step. You know, the defense – finished number one in nearly every category last year. 
Hey, Evan, I want to thank you very much for the time today. I appreciate it. We'll look forward to seeing you Sunday in studio for the first edition of Sunday NFL Countdown. It's going to be a lot of fun and look forward to being back on the road with you again for Monday Night Countdown this season as well. I'm really looking forward to it also, Adam. Thanks for having me. And so there is Evan Kaplan's week one preview with some key storylines that we all will be watching this upcoming weekend. And another event we'll also be watching and monitoring this weekend, of course, is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. The NFL says that there will be a September 11th tribute video simulcast on CBS and Fox before the start of Sunday's 1 p.m. games at the same time to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the attacks. And I know it's a big deal and people keep talking about the anniversary, but for those people who lost loved ones that day, like my wife, like my in-laws, like my dear friends growing up in Belmore, New York on Long Island, it is a very hard thing. If you think about the worst day of your life, the single saddest day, could you imagine every year seeing front page newspaper stories, online articles, documentaries all over TV? My wife and I sat down to watch Hard Knocks a couple of weeks ago, and right into the show was a coming attraction, a trailer for an upcoming documentary on 9-11. Now, my wife didn't sign on to see that. We were sitting there getting ready to watch Hard Knocks when this comes on, and it turned her night upside down, having lost her husband that day on 9-11. And this year, more than any other, has been an especially difficult one already. For my wife to get through. And I think it's in part because there are so many reminders out there of what a nasty, tragic, unbelievable day it was. And I know that people want to commemorate and remember, believe me, the people who lost loved ones, the people who that day matters more to than anybody else, they live 9-11 every day. They are constantly commemorating and remembering that day. They don't need added videos and stories and attention on a day that has helped mold the people they are today. But that's what we get. And it's a very weird, challenging, difficult week for everybody close to it to get through. And frankly, it's nice to get past that day and to move ahead to get past it for another year, because every single year it comes up, it is always incredibly difficult to get through. And with that, we will move on to week one, the opening of the NFL season. And with that, I want to thank Tanya Snyder for her time sitting down today to talk about what her vision for the future of the Washington football team is. I want to thank my ESPN colleague, Evan Kaplan, for his insights on week one, my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting this podcast together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we are scheduled to be joined by the Panthers' outstanding young free safety, Jeremy Chin. Until then, have a great week. Be well, stay safe, and enjoy week one.